Luke chapter 22, verses 31 through 34. Luke chapter 22, verses 31 through 34. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may shift you as we but I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail, and when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. But he said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Then he said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you will deem three times that you know me. Good morning and welcome. We are grateful for your presence. We're always thankful for the opportunity to be together. It is a cold, blustery day, but we're grateful that we have a warm building, nice facilities to meet in and to worship God. We're going to be looking today at Luke 22, verses 31 through 34. And before we begin, we do want to take this opportunity, as has already been expressed, we are grateful to those of you who are visiting, and we invite you to come back and be with us at every opportunity that you have. We are very thankful for the numerous visitors that come our way from week to week. We have had a number of people that have placed membership with us. Many have been baptized. And if you are contemplating looking for a church home or if you are looking for a church home, we encourage you to consider the work here. I know that the elders would be more than happy to meet with you to answer any questions that you may have and to talk to you about the work that's going on here at Olive Branch. As we look at Luke 22, verses 31 through 34, I want to begin by asking the question, what do you suppose would constitute the greatest fight of your life? Would it be some type of cancer or leukemia? What about heart disease, hypertension? Maybe it would be some type of problem related to your job, problems at school. What do you think would ultimately be the greatest fight of your life? I know that there are many of you that are involved in what you might consider to be the fight of your life because you're dealing with cancer. You're dealing with any number of health problems. And in no way would I minimize that fight. But I would submit to you that there is what I believe to be the greatest fight. And that is the fight for our eternal soul. And so as we look at Luke 22 verses 31 through 34, we read about what Jesus had to say to Simon Peter concerning the fight for his soul. And so we begin by looking at the battle for Peter. As you look at these verses as recorded by Luke, you'll find that Simon Peter faced a great foe. We would identify this foe as an adversary. Jesus speaks of him in very clear and concise terms. Jesus simply says that he is Satan. We know him to be 
the adversary. It's interesting that Peter would later write about this adversary. In 1 Peter chapter 5 at verse 8, Peter would say, be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Peter well understood the exploits of Satan. So as we think about his foe and the battle for his soul, look at, look at verse 31. And listen to what Jesus has to say. Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. When you look at this passage of scripture and you think about Simon Peter, Peter, of course, one of the 12 apostles, and in the passages preceding this one, you'll read of those who were looking for a place in the kingdom of God. They wanted a place of honor. And now Jesus turns his attention to Simon Peter and says that Satan wants to sift him like wheat. In ancient times, they would sift, separate the wheat from the chaff, the good from the bad. And really, I think, what, I think what Jesus is saying to Simon and the long ago is this. Peter, Satan wants to put you through the mill. We would say that what Satan wanted to do was to destroy the faith of Peter. That was really the intent. Satan wanted to do everything within his power to destroy the faith of one of the Lord's disciples. And unless you and I are careful, Satan will do everything within his power to destroy our faith. Let me just give you some suggestions as to some of the things that Satan will do to destroy or wreak havoc on our faith. I would submit unto you that first and foremost, Satan will destroy your relationship with the Lord. That's, that's what he wanted to do with with Peter. Satan wanted to come between the Lord and Peter. He wanted to drive a wedge between that relationship. Now we understand that sin is what separates us from God. That's what Isaiah said in Isaiah 59 verses 1 and 2. You go back to the history of mankind. Go back to Genesis chapter 3. We think about the first couple, Adam and Eve. What did Satan try to do? He he sought to drive a wedge between the human family. He sought to come between them, and ultimately he did that. And thus God set forth the promised seed. And so Satan is intent on destroying our relationship with the Lord. And make no mistake about it, he's doing everything within his power to do that. A second thing that I would su suggest or submit unto you is that Satan wants to destroy your riches in the Lord. Now just think about it for a moment. If you are a Christian, if you belong to the body of Christ, then you are rich beyond words. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 that every spiritual blessing resides in Christ Jesus. Everything that you and I need in Christ, we have. There are no deficiencies. We have a number of blessings we have pardon in Ephesians, 1, verse 7, in Ephesians 1 verse 7. Paul said, in whom you have redemption through his blood. 
the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. We have pardon. We have freedom from sin. We have peace with God. To know that there is peace between us and our maker. That's what Paul said in Romans chapter 5 verse 1. Therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have the privilege of prayer. To know that we can approach the throne of God at any time, day or night. And God will respond accordingly. The Bible tells us in James chapter 5 verse 16, The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. To know that we can approach the throne of God. And yet, what does Satan want to do? He wants to strip us of those blessings. There's a third thing that I believe Satan wants to do. And that is, he wants to destroy our reputation in the Lord. You and I, as God's people, we have to, we have to guard our reputation. We have to understand that we are servants of the Most High God. That we belong to the Lord. Paul would say in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20, we are to glorify God in our body and in our spirit. And the reason is because he said, you belong to God. We are members of the kingdom of God. We are priests of the Most High God. We are saints, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2. So we have all these great blessings and favors in Christ. We have a reputation to protect. That's why Paul would say to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, let no man despise your youth, but be an example of the, of the believers in word, in manner of life, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. So we demonstrate New Testament Christianity to others. Solomon said in Proverbs 22, verse 1, a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. Let me give you an example of somebody whose name really personifies wickedness, Cain. Go back and look at, at what Cain did to his own brother. And then listen to Jude in Jude 11 when he said, Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain. That's one example. Here's somebody who marred his reputation. Another example would be Judas Iscariot. I think that Satan was after all of the apostles, all of the disciples of Jesus. When you read of Judas Iscariot in the New Testament, isn't it interesting that there's always that little footnote attached to his name? That he was the one who betrayed the Lord. He sold him out. And so we have to guard our reputation. Why? Because Satan wants to destroy our reputation in the Lord. And then there's a fourth thing. Satan wants to destroy our reward in the Lord. As a child of God, what do we have? We have the hope of life eternal, don't we? Paul said that we live in hope of life eternal, which God who cannot lie promised before the world began, Titus 1, verse 2. We have all of these blessings and favors. We understand that we have a home in heaven. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. We have a home with Almighty God in heaven awaiting us. What's Satan wanting to do? He's wanting to deprive us of that home. Now the Bible tells us that we're to be faithful until death. Satan understands that if he can come between us and the Lord, if he can destroy our spiritual, our spiritual life, that he can rob us of that home in heaven. So we talk about the foe. 
that Simon Peter faced. But now I want to introduce you to his friend, his ally, his advocate. Note, if you would, what is said in verse 32. In verse 32, here's what Jesus said in light of the fact that Satan wanted to sift him, put him through the mill. He said, but I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. How would you like to have the Lord tell you in person, I'm praying for you? Now we talk about Peter and the, and the fact that many times he often spoke before he thought. And Peter was a great man, but Peter was, was a human being. And Peter, like many of us, often said and did things that he should not have. And so here is the Lord Jesus Christ saying to Peter, look, Satan is going to do his dead level best to destroy your faith. But I've prayed for you. And what I take from that is the Lord wants us to win out over temptation. Did you know that? The Lord wants us to overcome. He wants us to be faithful. He wants us to rise up above the temptations that come us, that come our way in this life. And so when Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 5, in verse 8 he said, Be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary the devil walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. In verse 9 he said, Whom withstand steadfast in the faith. We can rise above temptation. We can, as James said, resist the devil, and the promise is he will flee from us. And so here is the Lord saying to Peter, Peter, I've prayed for you that your faith should not fail. Now there's a second thing I want to call your attention to in our study today. We talk about the battle for Peter. But now we want to think about the breakdown of Peter. And really this has to do with his fall. As we think about the fall of Peter, the first thing I want to call your attention to has to do with Simon's profession of faith. Look at verse 33. We're going to come back to verse 32 in a minute, but look at verse 33. In verse 33, here's what Peter said. Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. What do you think about that statement? Here's Simon Peter saying, Lord, I'm willing to stand with you and beside you come what may. Peter thought that he had the spiritual fortitude to stand against the wiles of the devil. He thought he was strong enough to withstand the advances of Satan. And I think there are a couple of lessons there for us. One is this. Sometimes we may have the idea that we are stronger than we really are. Sometimes we, we say we're going to stand firm, we're not going to move, we're not going to give in, we're not going to succumb to temptation, and what happens? We fall, don't we? Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed, lest what? Lest he fall. 
I think you and I need to understand that there is the possibility that we could succumb to temptation. Peter was very bold. Peter believed, I think, in his heart of hearts that he would stand the test. If it meant going to prison, so be it. If it meant dying for the cause of Christ, hey, so be it. And then there's a second thing. It may have been the case that Peter underestimated the power, the schemes of the devil. You see, sometimes if we're not careful, we underestimate the exploits of Satan. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2 at verse 11, the apostle Paul in writing to the church at Corinth talked about how we are not ignorant of the devices of Satan. Why do we need to understand Satan? Why do we need to understand where he's coming from, what he's doing, what he's trying to do? Because we know that he is a schemer, that he is deceptive. And so the best thing to do, know your enemy. Know what you're up against. Paul would say in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, be strong in the Lord, in the strength or power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles or the schemes of the devil. I think he's simply saying, don't underestimate your foe. You need to understand that the devil is going to do everything he can to destroy your faith. Now, we talk about Simon's profession of faith, but note if you would what the Savior has to say about his lack of faith. Really what Jesus does is he prophetically speaks of his lack of faith. Look at verse 34. Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day before you will deny me three times, or rather deny three times that you know me. Less than 24 hours later, guess what happened? Peter cursed and swore and said he did not even know the Lord. What happened? He fell. That, that's what happened. He fell. Peter was in the battle of his life. And he failed. Now you and I, we are in a battle. We may underestimate this battle. We may not understand the gravity of the situation, but make no mistake about it, we are in a battle. It's the battle of our life. It is the battle of our lives. That's what, that's what we're up against. So, we talk about the breakdown of Peter. But there's a third thing I want you to see, and that is the blessings of Peter. Let's talk for a minute about his future. And I want to go back and look at verse 32. Because as we look at verse 32, what we need to see is the word returned. Listen again to what Jesus said. Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. Peter here, according to Jesus, was going to fall. The Lord knew that. And so the Lord said to Peter, Peter, when you return to me, Strengthen the brethren. When you look at, at John chapter 21, Jesus, of course, has died on the cross. 
He's been buried. He has been raised from the dead. He's about to ascend back to heaven. He's going to be seated at the Father's right hand. And so he has time to talk to Simon Peter. Three different times, Jesus asked Simon Peter, do you love me? Now, when Jesus asked the question, do you love me? He would then say, tend my lambs, feed my sheep. And I think that's what he's saying here, strengthen the brethren. But here's the point. Peter did return to the Lord. The Bible tells us that he wept bitterly. And I think the contrast between Simon Peter and Judas Iscariot, Judas Iscariot, the Bible says, hanged himself. Simon Peter turned back to the Lord. We call it repentance. Paul would say in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10, that godly sorrow does what? It leads to repentance. Here's what it says to me. It says to me, that God is a God who will forgive. Now you look at the, New, at the New Testament and you look at the covenant under which you and I now live. We serve a God who is willing to forgive. Look at what Peter did. Peter denied the Lord. He cursed, he swore, he said, I don't even know the man. Now you want to talk about, you want to talk about somebody who betrayed the Lord and yet, Jesus is saying to him, look, Peter, when you return to me, you and I, we may stumble, we may fall, but what do, we, what do we have to do? We have to get back up. We have to acknowledge our shortcomings, our failures. We have to turn back to Almighty God. I think about people within the body of Christ who sometimes stumble and fall. Here's what, here's what John said. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I think about how God is willing to forgive, to put our sins behind us. I think about people who have never obeyed the gospel. They come to realize that their, that their life is steeped in sin. They need a savior. And so in simple trusting faith, they turn to Jesus. They repent of their sins. They confess his name. They are buried with him in a watery grave of baptism. And what does the Bible say? What does he do? He washes away every sin, Acts 22, verse 16. He adds us to the body of Christ. Now we talk about Peter returning to the Lord. We talk about his return, but note also his responsibility. Jesus said, when you return to me, strengthen your brethren. Now I want you to think about this for a minute. We talk about the battle of, of our lives. And we are indeed involved in a battle. Look at, look at Peter. Peter spent some three years with Jesus Christ. He heard him speak on a regular basis. Think of all, think of all the miracles that, that the apostle Peter had the opportunity to see firsthand. Imagine being on that mountaintop with James and John. And here on the one hand is Moses, on the other hand is Elijah, and then God the Father speaks forth and says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased, hear him. Who was there? Peter was. Peter had all these great opportunities to be with the Lord, to see the Lord. He got to see firsthand everything that Jesus did during his personal ministry. 
And so Jesus is saying, look, Peter, you're gonna deny me, but when you return to me, I want you to strengthen the brethren. I think about the responsibilities that Jesus gave the apostle Peter in spite of the fact that he messed up and messed up royally. So what does that say? It says that God can use us in spite of our frailties, in spite of our weaknesses, in spite of our failures. Let me just give you a couple of, a couple of things that the Lord placed on Peter in this respect. First of all, I want you to think about how the apostle Peter preached the Lord Jesus Christ. When you read in Acts chapter two, whose sermon is recorded? By Luke, the physician. Let me tell you whose sermon is recorded. The apostle Peter. You hear the apostle Peter standing forth on Pentecost Day, on Pentecost Day saying, you men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth. That's the very one, that's the very one, that's the very Jesus that the apostle Peter had denied. That's the very person that he had said, I don't even know him. And now, what's he doing? He's standing before a multitude of people on Pentecost Day, and he is declaring the Son of God, the one who had been crucified, that had been buried and raised again. And when those people cried out, men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins. Let me tell you, I believe that Peter came to understand the blessings of forgiveness. And so Peter had the opportunity to preach about the Lord. And read the book of Acts over and over again. What do you read about? You read about Peter and the other apostles preaching and teaching and suffering for the name of Christ. There's a second thing I think you see with regard to Peter. And that is he became a penman for the Lord. In our New Testament, what do we have? First and second Peter, don't we? And so, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the Apostle Peter wrote what God would want us to know, some things pertinent to Christian living. Now, couched within first Peter, we've already looked at it, first Peter chapter five, verse eight, Peter said, be sober, be vigilant, why? Because your adversary the devil walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And so in verse 9 he said, whom we stand steadfast in the faith. I believe that when you look at all of the people that were qualified to pen those words, who better but the apostle Peter. Peter knew what it was like to face Satan head on. Peter understood. And Peter's saying, look, you need to be on guard. And you need to withstand him steadfast in the faith. That is, don't give an inch. Paul would say in Ephesians chapter 4, neither give place to the devil. Do not let him get a foothold in your life. And so, we talk about his great pen. And when you look at what, what Jesus said, strengthen your brethren. I think, that, I think that the apostle Peter was able to do that in word Indeed, and also by his pen. Is it not the case that we are strengthened today when we read and study, for example, the books of First and Second Peter? When we are encouraged to cast all our care on him, and the reason is because he cares for us. And so, we look at the life of Peter, 
And we think about his preaching, we think about his pen, and then thirdly, his pattern. That is his pattern of living. Again, look at the life of Peter. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21, when he said that Christ left us an example that we should follow in his steps. Don't you know that the apostle Peter was trying to the best of his ability to walk in the footsteps of Jesus? Was he perfect? Absolutely not. Did he fall from time to time? Yes, he did. Did he say and do things that he should not have? Absolutely. But when we look at his pattern of living, when we look at the life of Peter, we see his blemishes, his failures, his successes, his joys, his frustrations. But here's what it says to me. If Peter, who spent some three and a half years with the Lord Jesus Christ, if, if the Lord could use him and if the Lord could make something out of him, if the Lord could forgive him, then by all, men, by all means he can use me to some extent. The Lord can, the Lord can forgive me the Lord can help me. The Lord can make something out of my life. And I think that's the lesson for us. So, we close by asking this question. When it comes to the battle of your life, how are you faring? How do you measure up? You see, just like, just like Peter, Satan is trying to sift you like wheat. Satan wants to put you through the meal. It may be that you've stumbled, you've fallen. Maybe you're not what you ought to be as a Christian. Maybe, you, maybe you've not been faithful. Could we encourage you to come home to the Lord? Could we encourage you to repent, to turn back to God? Again, John said, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It might be the case that you're here today and you've never obeyed the gospel. Now, what you need to understand is Satan wants you to stay where you are, that is, in an unsaved state. On the other hand, God wants you to be saved. So, the decision is yours. It's almost like you're going in, into a voting booth. On the one hand, Satan has cast his vote. On the other hand, God has cast his vote. And so ultimately, the question is, what are you going to vote? Are you going to vote yes for Jesus? Are you going to live for the Lord? Here's what you need to do. Believe that he is the son of God, John 8, 24. Repent of your sins, Luke 13, 3. Confess his name before others, Matthew 10, 32. And then be immersed in a watery grave of baptism and rise to walk in newness of life, according to Acts 22, verse 16. If you'll do that, then you will be numbered among the redeemed. You'll be a part of the body of Christ. And if you're faithful till death, the promise is the crown of life. Would you come as we stand and sing?